Heavenly Father, um, we ask for your light at this moment. Thank you that your word does bring light. It brings light to our feet and it's a lamp to our paths. Uh, and I pray your spirit would, would help us um, grasp what you are wanting to say through these verses to each one of us here uh, this morning. Would you give us a right sense of expectancy? Would you give us uh, open ears, humble hearts, uh, and that we might leave here encouraged, spurred on, uh, and with the biggest possible vision of Jesus. If we ask it in his name. Amen. Some questions for you uh, this morning. Not necessarily to uh, jump in with an answer, but why, why are there not more Christians in churches? Why, how, how come this morning, why is it that you're here as a follower of Jesus, if that's who you are, and somebody else, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend who's heard the same message about Jesus, isn't he? And isn't a follower of Jesus. And perhaps would say that it's not interested or they want nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, how come if we go out from church, we, we encounter all sorts of people who don't believe in Jesus, who seem to be le- living much more morally upright lives than we are? They're more generous, they're kinder, they're more loving. How come, how come the message of Jesus is received by some as good news? And others just think it's irrelevant, or it's foolish, or it's blasphemous. How come? I can't be the only one who's ever found that those questions just they just tick over, roll about in the back of your head. If these are what roll about in the back of our heads, these were the kind of questions that were right at the forefront of the Christians in Rome that Paul's writing to. Just think about it for a moment. At the the very end of chapter 8 of Romans, if you've ever read Romans, these will be the verses that probably jumped out to you. They're they're well known. Uh, If you like, they're they're a high point, a mountaintop moment in the book. Paul writes, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brilliant. Such an encouragement. And I just want you to imagine that you are in a room in Rome hundreds of years ago as these words of Paul are read out to you. They strike you. They echo around. And as they echo around, you look around. And as you look around, you're just becoming aware of who's not in the room. Of the people who are missing. And he goes, how come there are not more Jewish Christians? How come there are so many Gentile, non-Jewish people who are responding to the message about Jesus? How come, how come it's, it's Gentiles who are receiving this message of Jesus of good news and actually Jewish people seem to be rejecting the message about Jesus? So it's kind of what we read about in those opening verses that Fiona just read, uh, verses um, 30 and 31 of, of chapter 9. What should we say then? That that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. A righteousness by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained this goal. Their goal. What's happened? How come? Isn't Jesus the promised Messiah of the people of Israel? 
Is he not, not the Jewish Messiah? Aren't Jewish people that in the Old Testament, who were around Paul at the time, the, the people of Israel, are they, are they not God's chosen people? Isn't that what we read in the Old Testament? Does that mean God has given up on them? If God has given up on them, and these great promises through the Old Testament, does that mean when we read nothing will separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, we actually go, hmm, can we trust that? And Paul absolutely wants us to trust that. And he begins in chapters 9 and 10 and 11 of, of Romans to, to, to show uh, why this response to Jesus is, is taking place. Last Sunday, we heard Paul's first response, uh, the first part of it. It's God who's in charge. He, he chooses who he chooses. And as he does so, shows us that his mercy and compassion are ginormous. Again and again in the story of the Bible, wherever you go, God is choosing people who don't deserve his blessing and blesses them. People you don't expect, people who couldn't earn it. And in what we've heard this morning uh, read to us, we hear the next part of Paul's response. We discover that God chooses who he directs his mercy towards. And at the same time, every person is responsible for how they respond, no matter who they are. Every person is responsible for how they respond. And these might feel uh, like, like verses that don't ring home straight away, but that's, I guess, a reminder that these were words written to God's people hundreds of years ago in a different place. But wonderfully, at the same time, they continue to be God's word to us. And so whilst it might not be totally familiar ground, there's brilliant things for us to see. Three things, uh, I think, for us to see uh, this morning. Uh, the first one, salvation is only through Jesus. Salvation is only through Jesus. Why are there not more Christians in church? Why in Paul's day were there not more Jewish Christians? Because so many people stumble over Jesus. Jesus is a trip hazard for many. God's people, Israel, throughout their history, had a deep awareness and understanding of God and his righteousness. That He was holy. He was perfect. He was right in everything he did and every way about him was right. And so Paul says in verse 2 of chapter 10, God's people, Israel, they had a zeal for God. God gave his people in the Old Testament a way of living to reflect his character. He gave them the law, the law of Moses. But it's worth remembering that they were God's people well before the law. They were God's people because he chose them. He saved them. He rescued them, not because of anything they'd done, but out of his free choice. But the thing is, the hearts of God's people are just like every human heart. And sin takes our hearts and, and rewires them so that instead of looking at God, we turn in on ourselves. And it meant God's people took the law. And instead of it being a way of reflecting how great and good and righteous and awesome God was, they made it the reason that they could be right with God. Instead of it being a reflection of, it became what they stood on. See, God's people sought a righteousness. They sought a right standing before God. But instead of receiving it as a free gift given by God, 
they turn it into something that they can work for. Listen to how Paul describes it in verse 32 of chapter 9. They pursued it. That's, that's a right standing before God. Uh, righteousness. Uh, not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. They tripped over Jesus. Just as Isaiah the prophet centuries ago said would happen. This way of life that God had given to Israel. Uh, the law was, was to lead them to faith in Jesus. It was to lead them to a life of faith. A faith that in the years to come would actually be in Jesus. They began to believe that this, this way of life God had given to them was a way they could stand rightly before God. And, and, and they might have said, well, Moses, verse 5 of chapter 10, Moses writes about this, this righteousness that's by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. I guess you could look at the law and say, well, if I keep every single bit, then God will have to accept me. But is that, what Mo, is that, is that the train of Moses' thoughts? Well, Paul goes on, no, 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 it wasn't. Moses knew perfectly well. Yeah, if you kept every single bit of God's law, that you might stand rightly before him, but nobody can do that. Moses is very clear about that. And he goes on, uh, quotes Deuteronomy 30, uh, verses 6 and 7. Uh, and he says, God, by faith, has, has made a different way. He, he doesn't require us to try and climb as high as we possibly can on a ladder of good works to try and get to God. Because if we try and do that, you just imagine it's a kind of comedy sketch of somebody climbing a ladder. As they go up, the ladder just keeps going down. They stand exactly where they are, climbing this ladder. That's all that happens. Instead, faith believes that Jesus Christ has come down to us. goes on to say, uh, faith doesn't require us through penance or pilgrimage to descend down. Instead, it, faith says trust that Jesus has been raised up from the dead. See, what's needed is not works, but a word, a message, a message of Jesus, a message that demands a response. What's the response? Have a look at verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is the Lord God himself. Jesus is the one with all authority. Jesus is the almighty and eternal son of God. He is the one who takes first place in our lives. And those are words that, that flow out of our mouths because they flow from a heart that has believed that Jesus is the very one who's been raised from the dead, having died for our sins, so that anybody who believes in him will be saved will never be put to shame. Do you know what I'm saying? It's saying there will be no regrets. You will have no regrets for building your life on Jesus. But what it does mean for somebody who maybe seems very morally upright, or somebody who is uh, deeply religious, Jesus becomes a stumbling block to trip over. Because Jesus says, those things aren't enough. Jesus says, you can put all the effort into those things and get nowhere. Jesus says, what you need is me. And maybe this morning you're in a place where you're beginning to recognize your need for Jesus. What's the response? Well, you call on his name. You declare him to be Lord. Believe that he's been raised from the dead. Call out to him, pray to him, ask him to enter into your life if you've not done that before. But for many of us, that, that's probably part of our story. We've done that. 
But I wonder actually if we've really owned the name of Jesus. Do the, do the people in our lives really know that it's Jesus we follow? They might know we go to church. They might know that we believe in God, but do they know we follow Jesus? Actually, is there a challenge for us to start owning up to, to being a follower of Jesus in the places we spend our time each week? Uh, maybe it's, it's actually you have taken that step of, and you, Jesus is your Lord. The risen Jesus is your Lord. And actually, you publicly want to declare that. You've never been baptized. I'd love to talk to you about being baptized. Or, or maybe you were baptized as a child and, and you want the opportunity to say, yes, this is my faith. Uh, the Church of England, the way we do that is through confirmation or reaffirming your, your baptism promises. Or maybe it's just a reminder to you this morning that the way we approach uh, Jesus is with empty hands. Uh, we don't, we're not having the Lord's Supper, we're not celebrating communion uh, today, but just imagine we were, as you come up to receive bread, what do you do? You, you, you put your hands out, don't you? You come to receive. And what's in your hands? Nothing. Nothing. Salvation is only through Jesus. The second thing flows from that. Salvation, therefore, is open to everyone. If it's down to declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if that's, how, that's the path of salvation, if that's the only requirement to be part of God's people, to never be put to shame, to be made right with God, then it's open, isn't it, to everyone and anyone. Just listen to how inclusive the language is in verses 13 Oh, sorry, verses 11, 12, and 13. Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on, his, call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The message of Jesus is not just for some, it is for everyone. The message of Jesus is for people in Leicestershire. It's for people in Leicester and Liverpool. And London, and Lisbon, and Libya, and Lebanon, and Lesotho, and Liechtenstein. Other countries beginning with L are available. And you know what? They are full of people who need to hear about Jesus. Perhaps, just think in the moment, the people you will have contact with this week. Even if they just walk past you on the street, you never see them again. That is somebody who needs Jesus. Jesus is for them. Whatever age they are, whatever their background, whatever their religion, whatever their bank statement looks like, whatever culture they come from. And just recently reading Romans 9 and 10, the thing that has struck me personally again and again is just the heartfelt cry of Paul's heart for his people. You pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 10, don't you? Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites, for his people is that they may be saved. Do we pray that? Is that what we feel about our families? Is that how we feel about our closest friends? Is that how we feel about our work colleagues? Please pray for my heart. It doesn't always reflect that. Please pray for your hearts. Is that, the, is that how we carry people in our hearts? Do you that? In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be running a CY course, uh, an opportunity for uh, young people, particularly connected to uh, the Thurnby Youth Club on a Friday, uh, maybe some of those who came through Hungerton to uh, encounter Jesus through looking at his life in Mark's gospel. That's why we're doing it. 
Maybe this morning you need to ask the Holy Spirit to be putting that desire for people to be saved into your heart again. And we've done this a few times, many times in our life, our church, unapologetically. Think of those five people or the one person or the three people who you're regularly praying for each day that they will be saved. It's not a hard prayer to pray. Three words, Lord, save, put their name in. Lord, save. Lord, save. Salvation is only through Jesus. Salvation is open to everyone. Therefore, the third thing for us is take the message to everyone. Let's pick it up at verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Does that mean as we are sent to make Jesus known, that, um, that everyone's going to suddenly respond and, and believe? No. That wasn't Paul's experience in his day, was it? People hear, people understand, and yet they still refuse Jesus. Does that mean God gives up on them? We'll have a look at verse 21. It says, All day long I have held my hands out to a disobedient and obstinate people. God continues to offer out Jesus to all. He does that today to everyone. And do you know what? He uses us. He will send us. At the end of this service, we will send each other out of that door to live for Jesus, to live lives that glorify God and to speak of Jesus. I just want you to imagine uh, with me, imagine being in a hospital waiting room. You know, the kind of place that is more clinical than comfortable, where the chairs are plastic and your cup of tea is in a plastic cup. And you're there because you're waiting for a loved one to come out of surgery. As you wait, you're, you're pacing up and down. You're, you're, you're praying. And finally, uh, uh, you know, the hours have felt like the minutes have felt like hours. The hours have felt like days. Eventually, the doors open and a member of medical staff walks in, looks at you. They smile. And they just very gently say, it's okay. They're out of surgery. They're doing well. You can see them in a few minutes. Even if you've never been in that situation, you can just imagine, can't you, just that, that sense of relief that overcomes you, the smile that stretches your face, the water that fills your eyes. And you, you might not have never met this member of staff before. And what do you want to do? You want to hug them. Maybe you do. Why? Because they have brought you good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have good news that is far better than successful surgery. We have good news that is far better than the, the news of a, a birth of a child. We have good news that is better than a good exam results. We have good news that's better than uh, clear test results. We have good news... Uh, that is better than a job offer or an offer on a house being accepted. We have good news that Jesus is the risen Lord. Salvation is through him for anyone. One of our priorities this year as a church is that we grow in sharing our faith in Jesus with others around us. That we are showing and sharing our faith. Not just talking about God philosophically. Not just talking about church things or Cafe 55 things. But speaking about Jesus. Carrying those people on our hearts and taking those opportunities. Even when we just get a chance to say something small, we say it. And just to help us uh, this morning, I want to give us a gift. I want to give you a gift. Um, 
Ah, this is a point. Mick, Mick, Pauline, Rob, can you give everybody a gift, please? All of you will get one of these. It's a copy of uh, Mark's Gospel, Mark's account of Jesus' life. It's done in a really nice way. I like it. It's got pictures in. Fantastic. Uh, But it's been really nicely produced. Uh, This is a gift for you. However, it comes comes as a gift to pay on forwards. It's a gift to you to give to somebody else. Um, I I bought a big pile of these at Easter because I got really excited that we're going to run this big event at Easter. It's going to be a great opportunity to get these in people's hands. They were going to read them, encounter Jesus, and then we cancelled the event. And do you know what I've done with these since? been living in cardboard boxes in that room over there. They've just been sitting there. And I've been thinking in my head, oh, I wonder when the opportunity is I can give those out and, and it'll have a real impact. And the months have gone on um, and I haven't had that opportunity. And then I was talking with the Vicar of Holy Trinity at Church in Leicester. And two weeks ago, she did, uh, she did this. And I'm unashamedly stealing it from her. And I said I would. She gave everybody in the church a copy of this and said, pass it on to somebody. Because this is the message of Jesus. When it is heard, people respond. Some will respond by rejecting it. Some will respond in faith. Now I realize there's there's a line about here. Comfort is here. Out of comfort is here. For most of us, to do this, we're going to have to go... So let me just help you out. You could give it to anybody you like. Remember your family, a friend, a colleague, uh, your person who serves you coffee, uh, the person in the shop. Um, you, can, you could go anonymous in the dark, put it through their letterbox and run away. It's legitimate. If you want to do that, do it. Because it's, it gets them to it. Get words. It gets that book to them. But if you want to take it a next step, give it to them and say, This story changed my life, and I'd love you to read it. Offer it like that. If if that feels quite a big step to go, you can always do deferred authority. My vicar on Sunday when I was at church told me that I had to give this to somebody, and I've chosen you. I get the blame then, okay? It's a good one. If you're feeling exceptionally brave and you don't just want to step over the comfort line, you want to do a massive leap, say, I'd love to give you this and I'd like to read it with you. And it might be that you're here and actually you're kind of going, I don't know if I want to give this to somebody because I want to read it myself first. Because that's a, I'd love to read it with you. And I've got a couple of people, I think, who are, who are keen to do that and I'd like to make that happen. So if that's you, have a chat with me. What we've got is hugely powerful. We've got the message of Jesus. Salvation is found only in Jesus. It's for everyone. Let's take this message uh, to everyone. And I'm just going to invite us, actually, uh, in this moment, to to stand as as we start to um, pray and to worship. So please stand. Uh, The band are going to make their way, and uh, they'll lead us in in two songs in a moment. And after I've prayed, uh, we will sing. But if during... The time we're singing, you want to pray with some people. Um, I think Dick and Mary are going to be by the fonts, and they'd love to pray with you. Pray for, the, pray for those opportunities. Pray for those people you're carrying in your hearts. Pray for uh, anything else. Uh, but as we move into that, that time of responding, uh, let me lead us in a, in, in a prayer.
and we pray. Father God, thank you uh, so much for Jesus. Thank you that salvation is only found in him. Thank you uh, that the message of Jesus is, is for everyone. Uh, please, Lord, those, those people who mean so much to us, would you help us to carry them in our hearts and cultivate that longing for them to be saved? And Lord, we offer ourselves and say, would you use us? Would you give us those opportunities this week uh, to hand over uh, our copy of Mark's Gospel and say, we want, we'd love you to read that. And Lord, we trust you, the sovereign God who chooses whom you will have mercy on to be at work. We ask it in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen.